Laughing House by Anonymous. They'd reserved him a suite at the top floor of the Lucky Nara Hotel, where the light of midday was fierce and caused him to sweat and stink under his dress shirt. He threw his keycard on a low-lying wooden table by the door and shut the Venetian blinds instinctively. On the furthest wall, a flat-screen TV had been mummified by a thin sheet of plastic. For a fleeting moment, the guest stared at his reflection through the dark screen, before gently placing a suitcase on the middle of the bed. He unlocked the carrier, flipping a series of copper flaps upright and entering a four-digit code that had been tattooed on his wrist. On the ground floor, a family of tourists sprawled in the pool area. Two sons took turns to dive bomb into the water, intent on causing a bigger splash than the last. Their mother took off her sunglasses and blinked in their direction from a shaded lounge chair. Be careful or you'll hurt yourselves. Yeah, right ma. The eldest launched himself into the perfect cerulean water. The guest pierced his forearm with a syringe that connected to an empty bag in the briefcase. Thick blood began to worm its way through the tube as the donor clenched and unclenched his fist. He stayed there until the bag was full, then detached from the medical gear and fetched himself a glass of water. One pint of blood lost. The mosquito-like rumbling of a cell phone in his trouser pocket startled the man, so he pulled it out. It was battered and beyond cheap, and flipped it open. Laughing House. Is it ready? A bit-crushed voice spoke from the other end. The guest muttered. The whole bag. Then you know what is next. The broken voice terminated the call. Again, the guest was left loitering in the surplus space of the room, which smelt of cleaning products and conditioned air. He moved into the bathroom and stopped in front of the sink, where a mirror left him staring into his own beady, unwavering eyes. Laughing House opened his mouth wide and began to dislodge his tooth. He grunted and twisted at the canine until it fell into the marble sink bowl. Trickles of blood swirled into the drain hole like outreaching spectres. The man dabbed his mouth with a brown paper napkin as he left the bathroom and returned to the briefcase, which had a small pocket in the top corner for him to place the tooth. There was something else in the carrier too, a pair of vintage-looking headphones built like an old aviator set. Laughing House caressed them and gazed into the microphone which protruded from the right. The cheap phone buzzed again and failed to startle the guest this time. He reeked of body odour and his white shirt had cascading tassels of blood on it. A text message this time. It read, 15 minutes. With an anxious fixation, Laughing House locked up his one possession and walked down the stairs. In the foyer, he passed the father of the swimming children, who cupped his beer with a vascular sun-kissed hand, sitting on a high stool. Afternoon, the tourist spoke, but Laughing House only watched absently as he passed into the Manila metroscape. Clutching the briefcase, the guest rushed down Libertad Street, moving silently past stock deliveries and purring motorcycles and the hustle of tarped fruit market selling. He saw a nun wearing blue and the lattice of electrical cables on poles overhead.
By the time he had reached the mall, he was out of breath and leaning against the wall of the entrance, swallowing a glob of phlegm. He locked eyes of a security guard. Surely he looks suspicious. The guard peered, but returned his attention to his phone and walked further into the centre. Laughing House's shoe slid on the pristine floor and the sweat on his back was chilly where the material of the shirt stuck to his skin. It had been exactly 15 minutes since he received the text and a new one was waiting for him when he flipped open the phone. Claw machine. Laughing House strutted to the arcade as casually as he could amongst the daytime shoppers. His foreign associate, who he had only ever known as Mr. Onion, had wavy blonde hair restrained by a slim black band that was so stretched it was close to snapping. Mr. Onion held up a large stuffed crocodile and bobbed the toy up and down in front of the claw machine with faux giddiness. Look what I want. First try, can you believe it? And to think people say these are rigged. There was a suffocating pause in which nothing could be heard or seen over the blinking of arcade game tile screens and chimes. Now, the associate spoke again. You know I can't open this here. So I'm going to ask you one time, and one time only. Is everything accounted for? Laughing House nodded. A-okay. The messenger shrugged and took the briefcase and handed over his stuffed crocodile, sealing the transaction. Without a word, they went their separate ways. By the time Laughing House left the mall, it was early evening. A pinkish haze descended on the edge of the city. He pressed the plush into his chest and, as if in a trance, waltzed to the Libertad LRT station, where he boarded a southbound train to Baclaran. When he arrived, he was distinctly aware that a woman was following him. She wore a dark hoodie and impenetrable sunglasses, though he could tell that their eyes were meeting from either side of the carriage. A peppering of rain began as he slipped into a marketplace. Laughing House recalled the instructions Mr. Onion had given him earlier. 108. Still, the woman trailed him. The night's storm intensified, and by the time he reached the new apartment at the edge of town, his shoes were coated in mud. Outside door number 108, he ripped the head off the stuffed toy and pulled a key from inside the body. Inside the drably furnished room were a multicolored collection of balloons. Some lingered on the ground, others drifted at ceiling level, all in different levels of deflation. Weakly, Laughing House kicked a few away from him as he made his way to the bed. There was a knock on the door. Come in. The woman entered carrying the discarded remains of the plush crocodile in one hand. She unhooded, revealing her face fully. Purple bags hung under roomy eyes. What's your name? she barked. Laughing House. She brandished a small knife illuminated by the bleached light of the hallway behind her. And where's the briefcase? The man dropped the door key on the bedside table. Silence. Where's the fucking briefcase? She thrust the blade forward, accusatorily. Wetland birds squawked on the moonlit manila bay, 
dug for food amongst the flotsam. Why have you taken my husband's face? It's gone, long gone. He continued to speak neutrally. If I were you, after we're finished here, I would forget this ever happened. Then he sat upright on the edge of the bed with his hands on his knees and go about your business. You're not my husband. Her breaths were hysteric now. Laughing House watched her as she rushed over and stabbed him in the chest. The knife plunged into his stomach, but he remained silent. What are you? The woman panted. I need to know. Now she shook his shoulders and dug the blade in a little deeper. Once more, he said nothing. She pulled the blade from his gut. Redness seeped through his shirt onto the bed, and the man capsized onto the linen like a snapped pencil. She took a step back, horrified, and fled. A few minutes later, after hearing what she thought was a violent argument, a neighbor from two doors down peered into the open room. Laughing House was dead. Before she could call for help, his body started to convulse. The balloons began to burst one by one, letting off whinges and bangs. The neighbor gasped and backed away as she reached for her phone. By the time she dialed for an ambulance, the corpse faded into the air like sand after it's been kicked up from the seabed, taking the burst balloon debris and blood with it. Room 108 was left unscathed, as if the guest had never existed in the first place.